Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. This episode of The Gays Are Revolting is brought to you by The Wine Gallery. Every month, The Wine Gallery wade through an ocean of wine to select three bottles they think you'll love. Visit thewinegallery.com.au and get $25 off your first delivery when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at the checkout. This episode of The Gays Are Revolting is brought to you by Koala. Forget everything you know about buying a mattress. Visit koala.com and get $150 off purchases over $1,000 when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at the checkout. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, your definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Gays Revolting, and our Instagram handle is at Gays Revolting Pod. Hey, boys. Hi. How you doing? Now, we've got a bit of an unusual thing happening tonight. Yeah. Kyle is away. Boo. But we are joined by the president of the Kyle Dowsett fan club, Luke. <laughs> and if you're looking for a camp hairdresser, Edward Scissorhands has nothing on this bitch. It's Mikey. <laughs> and of course, everybody's fifth favourite, young, blonde, male, gay, comedian, me, Thomas yeah. Jaspers. <laughs> How are your boys? I'm good. How are you, darling? Yeah, good. good. I feel like I'm... we've had more cast changes than Roseanne. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Over the past few weeks, you know. It's... I know. I feel like I'm missing a limb without Goodness. a very pretty limb without Kyle. Without Kyle. It's been a weird week. I just yeah, wanted yeah. to talk about something a bit strange that happened to me yesterday. Before we get into the mm. nitty gritty of the world of contemporary gays, to make up for the lack of one of our hosts, we actually have an interview coming up today. With Gamble yes. and her stepson Luke, who are stars of The Real Housewives of Melbourne. Ooh. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's something to um, get your motor running. I don't know, is that what people say? <laughs> I don't have a car, I don't know how to drive. But yeah, I wanted to tell you guys about this weird thing that happened to me. It was yesterday. I tweeted about it because I didn't really process it at the time. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a funny tweet. And now you're on Twitter. You, it's yeah. compulsory that you post Absolutely. every single thing that happens to you online. Yeah, and attention. then I realized, oh, this isn't a funny tweet. This is a sad tweet. I was in my home hood. I was in Thornbury, mm-hmm. the kind of suburb of the lesbians. And a very <laughs> warm, welcoming community that I've walked around in half bad, like, well, all bad drag. I was heading to work and this guy just, I remember walking up towards him and he did not break eye contact with me the entire time. Oh, he was that's just intimidating. Staring me down. So I knew something was about to happen. And then he came right up to me, looked me in the eye and just said, faggot. Ooh. And then he 
stared down, spat. Probably the most amount of spit I've ever had on me, Ugh. which is a lot. That's quite, you know, <laughs> yeah, <an> cheap yeah. <laughs> considering. And I did that classic thing we do where we weigh up survival mm. instincts. Do I fight this one or do I not? And in this instance, it was 11 a.m. in the morning. I hadn't had a mm. coffee. Um, neither did Tom, so that's why he did it. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, it is nice having <laughs> Prince Harry visit Melbourne, isn't it? And <laughs> doing all these things. Um, so I just walked away and I kept walking and thought, I'll just get to work and it'll be fine. And then I felt it and it was just this whoosh of air. It missed my head by, I'd say, about five centimetres and mm. it was a rock that was about the size of my fist. Shit. Holy shit. And he'd pelted it at me. It wasn't just like a little friendly. This is during uh, the day. Yes. Yeah. This is a, the middle of the morning. <sighs> and I kind of looked down at it because it had flown over my shoulder and mm. missed my head. Yeah. Do you think he was on anything or is this just a guy that just felt the need to do mm. this? I mean, either way, there's no. it's not no. an excuse. But After I tweeted about it and spoke to some of my friends or whatever, and I realized that was the immediate thought process was yeah. like, the first thought process was, what did I do to provoke this? Mm. You know, Which I was is wearing that guilt my- that we've talked about. Yeah. yeah, I was wearing my pink sneakers. I was singing Lady Gaga. I felt good because I'd been to the gym the day before. Mm. So maybe that impacted it. And then the second thought process was excuses. Maybe yeah. this person has this going on. Maybe this is what this person was thinking. Maybe this was where I were. And it really removed any trauma from that mm. incident for mm. me. It just put it into things I had done wrong and things that were wrong with this person. Mm. It removed the actual incident yeah. from the fact that a person just tried to concuss me yeah. in the middle of the day at a train station, like a public yeah. train station. There were about six other people there. Uh, no one did anything. Yeah. They noticeably stood away from me when I got onto mm. the train or mm. onto the actual platform. Luckily, I work with Sykes, so I got to work and just... I was like, I, mean, I need a free session. Mm. I'm going to talk about this for a bit. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you've got other work to do. And then I did F45, which hey. is my white girl workout. <laughs> and I felt great. <laughs> but it's just a weird thing it's, to happen. It's, it's yeah. an awful thing to happen. And you're a very strong... Man, you're feisty, you're strong, yeah. you're, you're proud, and you're in your safe. You um, it you. reminds me of that quote from Priscilla after mm. the bashing. The, it was something along the lines of, um, no matter how strong I think I've gotten, or no matter how brave I think I am, it still yeah. hurts. And it does. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Like, you know, no matter how strong you are, it's a, it's a really awful thing to go through. So, I'm sorry, babe. And I, don't, I don't normally show you um, compassion, but I, yeah. <laughs> I do mean yeah. it. No, I'm glad you're okay. 99% of the time, I would have turned around and said, that was a shit throw. You yeah. know, you, you it just caught you, you off yeah. guard. You really really fucked it up. I guess humor is a way to deal with it too because mm. then I went to work. That guy didn't even get a chance to know how terrible my personality was yeah. before he threw the rock. Like he I didn't even give him the real reason to try to concuss yeah. me yeah. yet. Which I would have um, I would have understood had you understood <laughs> exactly that's what I was saying. Yeah. But yeah, that was my week. Mikey got a nice haircut and I felt it before and it Mikey's got a gorgeous haircut. <laughs> Very crisp that's and a fresh. Better, better story to tell. <laughs> I got gonorrhea. Oh there Woo! we go. There we go. But it's all fixed now, so it's all fine. We don't need to worry about it. <laughs> Uh, now, Mikey and I are very excited because we are joined by gay icon royalty, yes, I would say. We've got I a gorgeous gamble so. bro 
here oh, with us. Oh, good Lord. And her I lovely mean, stepson, Luke Wolf. How are you guys? I just have to put down my tiara. <laughs> oh, God, don't tell Gina that. I'm in so much trouble. I? <laughs> I wouldn't tell Gina anything. I'm scared shitless of her. <laughs> now, we've got, you've got some exciting stuff coming up. Feast Festival, which is Adelaide's Queer Pride Festival. And one of my favourites, I've performed there several times, is coming up. And you're the ambassador. Is that correct? Well, I guess I am if they're calling me that. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited to be doing it, actually, when they asked me, because Adelaide's like my favourite other city than Melbourne. I love Adelaide because I'm so warmly welcomed there. It's almost like you can't preach in your own backyard. I go yep. to um, Adelaide and I'm warmly embraced. And I had a really fun time there the last couple of times I've been. And to be invited was such an honour. So I'm putting my heart and soul into this mm. performance, which we're hoping to put into a bigger show to take around Australia, around the outback and that sort of thing. But Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. I got together with my girlfriend who used to take Brocky Horror around um, yeah. Australia yes. and she's helping me choreograph it. So there'll be lots of big outfits and, and dances and beautiful um, um, boys dancing. Yeah. Who the fuck's Kylie Minogue? Okay, <laughs> right. You are right though. Adelaide, like, because I, I would go there probably a couple of times a year and I feel like like 10 years ago when I started going there, I did not feel comfortable there at all. It felt almost scary, but I really feel like as Melbourne and Sydney are getting more expensive, a lot of the yep. artists and the queer community are moving yeah. to places like Adelaide and even Darwin as well. And you're seeing all these amazing cabaret venues and theatre venues popping up. Their festivals like Feast Festival are getting bigger and people like you going along, which is fantastic. Oh, thanks so much. I haven't been into- invited to any of the other <laughs> Well, hopefully after oh, this you will. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, it's amazing. And yes, places are affordable and it's a really young community. Yeah, so it's yeah. worth looking Which is at. Great and for the people arts. should fly into this festival. It goes for a week. And there are so many great talented people um, performing. Are you going to be performing again? I'm not performing this year, but we, I am going over, so I'm very excited. I was trying to I'll write you, you into one of, into my song, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> with your Queen's speech. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I, from I thought it would have been hilarious <laughs> to open a song. With, I'll uh, hit you up for doing that one day. That sounds very great. Soon. You're there, obviously, because you are a gay icon and uh, that status is something that you've embraced since your notoriety on Real Housewives but apparently your love for the queer community stems back to your disco days on Oxford Street. Oh look 16 <laughs> I got to know Oxford Street quite yes. well. I dated a boy who I thought was my boyfriend and he turned out that he had to break it to me that he was gay and I'm, I cried <laughs> but I got over it. I was quite young but yeah I've, I've always been a bit strange mm. like I used to get in a lot of trouble at school. They used to call me a very excited child. Yeah. I think they call it ADHD now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, no, you're just an excited <laughs> adult. <laughs> yeah. uh, my nickname used to be Gamble Madonna, who and I, I, I didn't really fit in. And I, I mean, it's just a place I felt comfortable, and especially if you like to dress in wacky outfits or slutty, some people may call it. It was much more fun to go out on Oxford Street as opposed yeah. to straight nightclubs because the girls would call me a whore, and yeah. and um, they still do, but I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, in, and, you know, the vibrant community um, in Sydney was just so wonderful and it was just like I felt so at home and so welcome and safe and we all looked after each other as best we could because the boys used to get um, hit back then. I mean, they, they had to be careful yeah. going walking home and I don't know. I was just so happy to hear your program and, you know, about being able to use PrEP and yeah. these sorts of things that, I mean, it's just like a dream come true for my generation who... Mm didn't have that sort of scenario. It's just like, I can't believe, I'm almost like, it's nostalgic to hear it because I honestly don't. I thought that I was hip and everything, but I don't hear such frank conversation in my daily conversations. Almost, Luke's very frank about his life, but not quite as personal. It's such a good program. I think you should be going out to the wider world. I would oh, lo- I'm so really going to be pushing really this as sweet. hard as I can because everyone should understand. And I thought I understood. And I just one of your programs, I've gone, oh, my God, I feel so stupid. You know what I mean? Like a naive. That's really sweet. Thanks so much. 
Thomas Campbell. No, I think, I think you. you're I think right, though, we, especially a lot of people of our generation might take for granted the amazing leaps and bounds yeah. that have happened for the community in the last few decades. Although I'm sure you're only talking about several years ago when you were out on Oxford Oh, Street. well, I think we all know that. <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, I heard you last week talking about the teachers, that they couldn't oh, come yes. out and... Yeah. and yeah. Um, I'm a Christian from faith. I'm not a devout Christian in practice, but I've always mm. felt that my Christian brothers and sisters, even though they're very annoying, should be able to like have their, you know, whatever Christian parties or whatever and try and convert people. I mean, good luck to them. But then I realised how it does affect people when, these, when they're um, school. I mean, your program is very significant to people like me because I, I never really, I, I rebelled against the church, don't get me wrong. But I hadn't realised how significant that situation is for people involved and having to live in shame and it's just mm. not fair anymore. It's just so obsolete and ridiculous mm. to think that you could be fired. I, I just, it's, it's I'm sorry that I didn't know. Yeah. Though my new song does actually give the Christians a bit of a stir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, you raise a good point. Though. There's a big difference yeah. between Christianity and the church. I have mm. some Massively. wonderful Christian friends who have very little to do with the church themselves because the yeah. church is about rules. Christianity is a faith and it's two very separate things. I remember jumping up and down the roof of our tin roof when they were saying that you'd burn in hell. I didn't care what anyone had done. It just was such a bad message. I jump up and down. I got thrown out of my uh, Bible, of my Sunday school. I'm sure mum was having much more fun before I got thrown out of Sunday school. It was like a... a oh, you better off. You learn more on Oxford Street than you went on Sunday school. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so I think that the LGBTQ community has definitely warmed to you a lot since joining the show. Why do you think that is? I don't... I don't I don't know. I mean, you've got to be careful because if you think they have, then they'll turn on you. <laughs> <That's true. Yeah. laughs> I'm no yeah. fool. The second I say, oh, you know, I'm being, then the second I'll get, you know, kicked out the door. Look, I never take anything for granted. I think people, the one thing that the gay community are encouraging is just to be yourself and who you are mm. as a person. So I'm not trying to be Kylie Minogue or Madonna or something yeah. to share or anything. Oh, actually, I'm probably a bit share. <laughs> <laughs> We're but, all uh, a little bit share on yeah, the inside, don't we? I was just thinking, looking at my lip and the car here, I'm going, oh, Jesus. I look like Jane Fonda and the young one. And anyway, but um, so yeah, just embracing who you are. I think that people can sniff fakeness out. Sniff the because bullshit. Because we've, yeah. we've been told to live who you are. Now, you've sort of mentioned before, you, you've recently returned to recording and releasing music after having some hearing issues repaired. How's it going? And more importantly, is there an album on the way, a full yeah. album? Well, we're writing an album because we want to do this stage show, which is going to be two 45-minute mm-hmm. stints and we want to write most of it. The latest song is called Fire and Fury and I've written it because I was invited to Feast Festival as a sort of like what I loved and this is before I heard that Queen had a movie coming out but I loved the um, anthem style songs mm-hmm. and the and, and also the way Freddie Mercury would perform. I just thought he was fantastic and so with the band, the heavy metal musicians that I'm writing with so I've got this really girly sort of dance thing and they've got these really sort of like bloke mm. and we sort of hit in between them because mm. there's no ego attached to each other and what we want to do we get this work done really quickly and I can perform with them because they're more sort of gritty and rock and roll which is my roots you mm. know but it'll have some balls um, I like that yeah it's cool I like that contrast and, you, and you're right it was very Freddie Mercury had this amazing way of sort of orchestral sort of swells and things but with mm. rock underneath yeah. it yeah it's, it's a gorgeous mix Dad and I are actually pretty proud of her with what she's done she's got 
a studio set up in her office at home, which granted is the largest room in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the only room that has been completely redecorated. <laughs> but this is Gamble's studio and her office. And right she's under got his me, bedroom. Right under my bedroom. So I've heard this I'm song. I'm sure you're up all night anyway. Like I've seen you up all <laughs> But hearing her, like this song develop from like, you know, her just laying down the vocals to hearing it with the backing, with yeah. the band, with all of it mm. is just absolutely insane how quickly she's done it. And the quality she's done it out as well. And it is like kind of this song you hear her belting it out at like 9, 30, 10, and you're in the kitchen having like late night snack. Am I right in thinking you're premiering it at Feast Festival, aren't Absolutely. you? That'll be the debut. That's a pretty yeah. huge so deal. Exciting. I mean, they had Danny Minogue was their headline, was it last year or the year before? Yeah, like, thanks they had for reminding me. Big names. <laughs> right. No, it's great. That's you exciting. You think I'm not working hard on it, you? Because I know, you know, 2,000 gay guys, they're going to be so kind if I fuck up, right? Yeah. I was trying to do the recording and I didn't know you were allowed to use the word queer. And I'm like, Luke, they've asked me to say queer, I can't say it, because that would have been like a real slant. Yeah. And he's like, no, that's far... You're totally right. The the words that evolve. I was hosting an event with Patty Newton. It was an LGBTI event last week. Bless her. Obviously a huge ally of the LGBTI community and wanted to make sure that she was going to get all of the phrases right. So in her day, there wasn't many people that didn't identify as either him or her. So Mm. she wanted to make sure that she had all of the gender pronouns correct and that sort of thing. And also queer was in the the script that we'd been given. She's like, I can't say queer. That's that's a derogatory term. But these words do evolve and do become all embracing and and the ownership comes back. And uh, it's great (laughs) that you're putting that in there. It's like when Mm. Ben and she, she said, oh, everyone's calling you a whore. And I said, well, it's dirty whore to you, bitch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like when you take it and you throw it back at people, yeah. just yeah. the shock, you know, that, you know what I mean? I'm so over being called that. I've got to say, since joining the show in season two, you're definitely a breath of fresh air. And like one of my personal favourite moments was when you serenaded your husband at- my Our anniversary. At your anniversary, yes. That was- which I thought was so, so beautiful. Uh, you know, I'd written down when you go to um, see if you're going to get back on the show, I just hit them with a tsunami of ideas. But I felt really bad because, I mean, the wedding, um, Rick's family had been put in the back art row with the. Oh. Um, so there was a few things that the family luckily forgiven me for. Yeah, so I hit them with a yeah. tsunami of ideas and I had um, sing a song to Rick in the Her Majesty's Theatre. Is it the Princess, Princess Theatre? Mm. And I said, well, I really want to sing to my husband. I want to learn how to sing. And I, I felt that we didn't really have a whole lot of scandal in our life. So I thought, well, you know, I'd be singing, mm. sneaking out to get my singing lessons. They don't let you create your own scandal. They just dump, shit just happens. And yeah, you know yeah. what, everyone has some scandal that can be like questionable in their life, I guess. But that was my favourite thing because it's something I really wanted to do and I didn't realise how it was so hard mm. for me to talk about it. I started crying and trying to talk about like wanting to do it because it was like this thing that I wanted to do so badly yeah. and it was like, taken away and then I lost my confidence and uh, it was really fun to revisit it and it's sort of like a great sort of slap in the face for ageism as well because you know it mm. keeps you young if mm, you follow totally. your dreams I think everyone should do it no matter what age you are mm. yeah. I was going to say like what are some of your favourite moments from being the show and like what is important to you about doing the show? Well I guess we've evolved with it yeah. I came home and I said to Luke and Rick, we're doing this show. You guys have to say yes. And they were just looking at each other like, oh. <laughs> you told me about Housewives about three hours after I came out of anesthetic from having my appendix removed. Oh, lovely. And like, That's I'm a like, good time to still, ask any question, I think. I'm like still drowsy. And she's like, do you want to do real Housewives? Well, like, I'm laying in a hospital bed, like, 
with heart rate yeah. monitors on. Mind <laughs> you, I thought he'd been on a bender. I'm like, darling, you're going to be fine. Just, yeah. You're just coming down. Everyone like, thought I'm I was really coming sick. down. And I was like in bed dying. They thought I was like hungover coming down. Yeah, I was just trying oh, to steal no. some of your morphine. Yeah. <laughs> you two have an absolutely beautiful, well, it's a mother-son relationship, but you, but you are a Luke's stepmother, um, which a lot of people can struggle when um, a new mm. parent comes into the scene. Luke, what was it like for you coming out and having Gamble around? Or do, were you already out when Gamble was around? Or? Um, yeah, so I came out to Dad and Gamble when I was 16, when Gamble was kind of freshly on the scene. Mm-hmm. He loved me then. Yeah, It was a bit weird with Gamble coming into our life because Dad had just gotten out of his previous relationship with yeah. my mm-hmm. other stepmother, and then it was difficult for me to accept Gamble coming in. Rightly so, she was a bitch (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, here we go, here's a second one, blonde And we looked very much alike, it's a bit scary I'd be creeped out too, by the way But you know, step-parents can do their best But you know, you can't make someone like you, as simple as that The moment, like, it really solidified that I was absolutely in love with you And you were a good fit for the family Was when I was turning 18 and coming into the gay scene Mm and this was just before the show had come out, Gamble's advice from her time on that scene, the way that she was giving me advice, not as a mother, but as someone that genuinely cared and Mm. wanted the best for me. I mean, every time, and still to this day, when I go out, as I'm walking out the door, she's like, don't do anything I would have done at your age. Probably not much left, is there? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, no, I think it was just this wealth of knowledge from her about this scene that I had no idea about Mm. what I was going into. And it is invaluable having someone yeah. when you're yeah. first joining the scene that can give you advice. I know myself and a lot of other people went into the scene blind with no ideas. Oh, yeah, um, but I did have friends who had older siblings that, that were gay that were able to give us tips and things like that. So I think you're really lucky to have yeah. that. Yeah. Um, now, Luke, don't want to get too serious. <laughs> But you, we've had chats before about um, when the show started, when Real Housewives started, you were really young. You found, like, there were some people on the scene. This, the gay scene can be quite vapid. Yes. Uh, yeah. That were sort of clinging to you or attaching to you for that connection to yeah. the show, I guess. How do you, well, how did you deal with it at that age? And how do you now spot the fakes? And, and how did you make true friends on the scene? It definitely took a long time, and it's only recently I picked up on who those genuine friends were. Yeah. And it's people that, they ask questions about me, they don't ask questions about, like, what my family's doing, yeah. when's filming start, it's still happening yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. And it still does happen, and I've had people even date me just for it, and I haven't seen it that's awful. That's until horrible, afterwards, yeah. and you reflect on it, and it's like, ah, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. But, um... The problem is Luke gets quite emotionally invested in these mm-hmm. people and it's really As upsetting. As we all do, yeah. It's really upsetting. And I know who his friends are. They've been around for a long time mm. and they are mm. not judgmental and they're lovely people. And he's, you've got a lot of really lovely friends. Yeah. So you're very blessed there. But, yeah, uh, there's three people that I can count that I'm just – I'm very upset about it. You know, what can I say? Oh, we'll tag them in the post. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. Call them out. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Gamble? Have what? you found it difficult yeah. to make – no, Real friends no, no, no I'm pretty, I've got a pretty good nose. A bullshit it. radar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Like the um, girl that I'm doing the show with, I've known for 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, she's one of the people I just, we just yeah. love each other to death. And um, 
But, yeah, with Luke, I can sort of, I, I don't know, it's always difficult because people are put on their best colours for you. One of my favourite mm. people, Luke's friends, just is the most appalling behaved person. And I loved him, <laughs> I loved him from the second I said he is absolutely wonderful because yeah. he did some really naughty things right yeah. in front of me. You can't say that on here. Oh, you probably can. That, and yeah. it was hilarious and I was so happy and I said, that's a friend because he's not trying yeah. to impress us right yeah. now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So in the queer community, we face a lot of, Body shaming. I like, know around it's a called fatties, um, Asians, beers. Yeah, I'm just like, geez, Louise. Yeah, All it, the lists it that gets, we do. It's like a shopping list on Grinder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it can get really intense sometimes. And like, you've obviously been forced to defend how skinny you are, not only on the show but like online and stuff. How have you dealt with that, like emotionally? Well, I get fat again. Just one yeah. of those things. <laughs> so, so weight, come, weight comes and goes. It's one yeah. of those things. But look, I'm really sorry that you have to deal with that when you're dating apps in the community. But you just need to laugh at it. Mm, yeah. And people can't take everything so seriously. I mean. Mm. I, I got called a whore most of my life. So just people deflect things. Just mm. you've got to take it and just well, rise I mean, above it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. if you if you you'll find your person, there's always someone there for you. And just shop. If you're shopping in your own pond, like I'm an older woman, mm-hmm. Rick and I didn't instantly cohabitate. I lost my job in Melbourne. I had to move to Sydney. And I just kept writing out what I wanted and he kept coming up. And we made it happen because he was with someone else and I was thinking about someone else. And I, I just said, I think we're both in the wrong place. We should be together. And he agreed, luckily. I have learnt so much listening to your show, so I will not try and understand or judge or try and have any empathy. I have no idea. Mm. Anyone in the public eye these days receives hate. I um, retweet it. You, you yeah. do? You say you read it all? I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, when I did the rapping, I'm, I always call him Beaver and Butthead. What were they? Um, Fitzy um, and Whipper? Yeah, somewhere, yeah. Like, oh, okay. somewhere like that. They said, that's the worst thing in this massive review. And I was just oh, so awesome. I retweeted it. And like some of it you can't retweet. I just like it. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. confuse people like, oh, you're such a burn. <laughs> But if it, it is hurtful or it affects mm. someone in your family, because, you know, yeah, Luke has be, a brother and sister yeah, that yeah. are younger and more hurt by these things, then I just block them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I find retweeting so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love sitting, like, when you post a, like, risky photo or something, you just yeah. sit there and we have a laugh at the comments that come up. I don't think people realise that, you know, when you're someone like mm. Gamble, you get this all the time. Mm, yeah. And you just don't care anymore. Well, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I imagine the only two ways to deal with it are either to not read it or to yeah. treat it the way you do with water off a duck's back. I learned a lot from listening to your show, okay? And mm. I really am now going to be an ambassador for your show because oh, it, oh, thank you. I thought I knew a whole lot of stuff. So how do you tolerate straight people that they think they understand what you're going through and they just don't? I mean, it's a really good question, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've really got to take it with a grain of salt. When sort of straight people do come to you with either ignorant questions or just an ignorant attitude, you've got to think, have they been exposed to gay people in their lives? Do they have anyone in their life that is able to like educate them on gay issues or anything that we're going through? Obviously, like if they're being horrible, like see you later. But if there's someone that is genuinely going to be inquisitive about who you are as a person from a good place, do you just want to know more? about us yeah, and then just try and educate them as best as possible. You're right. A lot of it's the intention behind the question. Yeah. I think there's a huge difference between someone genuinely asking because they mm. want to learn more and and be a better ally yeah. and then you've also got straight guys that are like, oh no, it's okay if I use the word fag because my cousin's a fag so I'm allowed to yeah, say it. That's, that's a it. very different thing mm. to someone asking about how gay sex works or what it's yeah. like at gay bars or And it or may not come out between I wish I'd known how that word for you. 
years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming along, guys. It's genuinely been a real treat having you here. We do love you both. You're both fantastic people. Thank you so much for inviting me, and it's been really eye-opening. We're looking forward to seeing you at Face. We'll have a drink. Yeah, we (laughs) will. We got a message that kind of shook me. It was via Facebook because I thought there was a lot of it that really resonated with me. Yeah. One of my favorite things is checking my privilege mm-hmm. or like checking where I am. I, I love doing it. It's a hobby of mine. And I think it should be like a bachelor's subject. Because they <laughs> teach us how to check. How to check your privilege. Check your privilege. <laughs> but basically someone had messaged and it was a really lovely supportive one. They love the mm. show. They're also a bit newer to the the gay scene, but something that stood out in their message was a bit of a struggle that they were having was they were trying to reconnect with people. We all know that feeling when you come out, you kind of want to reconnect with people from your past, but as as who you really- As your true self. As your true self. And this person felt a bit hesitant or just uncomfortable about doing it because what he realized was part of the culture or part of the persona- that it created was mean and we all know it we all know it from RuPaul's Drag Race reading is fundamental and pointed out specifically we do it on the the intro every week and people come up to you. Someone came up to me in the street today. Oh, did they? Yeah, I work with them, so I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I realise I made that story sound a lot better than what it yeah. was. But she came up to me and she's like, I listened to your show for like a four-hour drive yesterday. It was so funny. No. The funniest thing is Tom and everyone makes so much fun of you. <laughs> it is hilarious. But it got me thinking about this stereotype as well. Courtney acted some really terrible song on Drag Race about the mean gays, mm-hmm. the West Hollywood <laughs> yeah. gays, which I think is awful. But it is a stereotype mm. that we have. We do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or should we even explain what reading is? Because well, some of yeah. my friends don't yeah. know. Some people don't quite understand what it is. As someone who isn't good at reading. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> it's generally, it's pointing out a flaw of someone else's in a comedic and lighthearted way. It has its yeah, it's, it's having a yeah. dig, I guess, Yeah, is a way of explaining it. And it is something that's quite particularly noticeable on the gay scene. I don't think that mm. um, heterosexual people do it definitely not as much. No. And it's not as broad on the straight scene, mm. I guess you'd say. Yeah. And I guess it comes from being different. Like, we we grew up knowing that we were different. And a lot of us used making fun of ourselves as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. because when you make fun of yourself, a bully can't do any worse. Well, no. If I already point out how ridiculous I am, then you can't make me. What else have you got on me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that would often be followed by us then making fun of the other people. And we do it in our own circles as well. I actually do think a little bit of it is quite healthy. In a way, we kind of also use it to work out where our place is in a pecking order of a group and in the context of the show Luke you'll probably remember when we all auditioned for this show for the listeners but we were all auditioned individually our producer cut it down to eight people and we did a fake podcast with eight people around a table and instantly the second that Luke and I met we started (laughs) making fun of each other and we just sort of worked out that that's how you know we're the kind of people that do that and we worked out how far we could go with each other 
Now, I absolutely adore Luke, although it might not sound like it when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Never. I think he's a fantastic <laughs> person. You know, we, we catch up outside of the show and that sort of thing. But this sort of uh, reading thing and, and this yeah. having a little dig at each other is a way of sort of clearing the air and it's almost a way of going, are you okay? I mean, if, yeah. if he's not reading me, then I know he actually might Something. not be in a great yeah. place at the moment and I won't go for him. And I know that he's definitely done the same thing with me when I haven't been mm. in a great place. Mikey, we also have a beautiful relationship, but we don't yeah. really read each other that no. much. Um, we've had the occasional dig. Oh, absolutely, yeah. When I finally think of something witty. (laughs) You're very witty. (laughs) That's also because no one reads my... No, No. it's too gorgeous. (laughs) Kyle is just fucking easy as anything. I can say that because he's not here. (laughs) You'd say that if he was. I would. (laughs) Um, The problem is, and and, and I think what our our friend that wrote into us is saying, is that for him it became too much. And I definitely have seen that happen in people. And I've also been through phases where I've been doing that myself, Mm -hmm. where I've I've been going too far. It's too relentless. Yeah. And I'm actually using it to push people away. And that's not a healthy thing. And that's where you no, want to sort of yeah. reel it in a little bit and try and be very mindful mm, of it. Yeah. So, And then one of the problems when you are sort of checking yourself when you're doing that can yeah. be that you've created this role in your social group mm. where you're the guy that says that, that stuff. Yeah. And then and when you're, you're sort finally of, sort of you're ex- coming out of that. Yeah. You're expected to continue doing it. You're yeah. expected to- That's what you bring to the party is, oh, she's the sassy bitch. Yeah. It can be hard to cut back when everyone's expecting you to do it. People used to say it to me at work. People would come in the door and they'd walk into the staff room and they'd say, all right, Luke, what's wrong with my outfit today? Yeah, right. <laughs> Read me. Yeah. And I'd tell, tell them exactly what was wrong with their outfit yeah, yeah. every time. Because it kind of has its origins in drag culture. Paris is burning and reading mm. is, is like ingrained a bit in gay culture. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is Paris is burning for the, uh, we've mentioned it on the show before, but the amazing documentary from New York in the 80s from the um, black drag ball scene. But I don't think comes from that. I think a lot of drag communities around the world but even before that, we're yeah. doing it individually of themselves. Yeah. But if you do look at old videos from the old bathhouses in the States mm-hmm. and um, and even on, we've talked about the Lost Game Albert and Lost Guy Sydney Facebook pages have got old videos and yeah. stuff. That was already oh. a part of drag culture all over the world. But I think drag culture gave it a name. Pro- yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah it, you're right. Yeah. It, it gave it a name and it gave it a space yeah. within our community. And I think what this person has struggled with and what some other people mm-hmm. struggle with is that it's not a contained space that then spills out it does, uh, yeah. into other areas. It's hard to pull away from it once you're sort of developing into a different type you're of person. You're a shady yeah. bitch. And yeah. it's not really appropriate in the workplace and that no. sort of thing. Like you've got to sort of, depending where you work, obviously Luke gets yeah. away with it. I get uh, <laughs> but you know, it's not something that you can, you're not going to be sitting at Christmas dinner reading mum's turkey, you know. Mm-hmm. I, do you think it's a bad thing? I, I take it quite seriously. I love reading people. Mm. I love when it's my turn to do the reads <laughs> in the show because I yeah. take a lot of pride in it. But I think there's rules that you totally. need to have mm. and you need to set. And if you make fun of yourself before you have a go at anyone yeah. else, be able to take a read yeah. as well as you're going to serve one out. I also mm. think that reading isn't really about serious things. Like, if you are having serious financial trouble, I'm not going to oh, have a dig at you no for being poor. Or if, you know, if, if you got dumped and you were really yeah. upset about it, I'm going to wait a little bit before I start yeah. reading you about it. Yeah, I am going to yeah. read you about it. I am going to bring it up when you yeah. start dating the next guy, but That's I'm not going to do it while you're... I'm not going to use it to hurt you. I'm going to yeah. read you about that lace that's lifting and it's not glued down properly. Yeah, exactly. Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Well, my yeah. rule with that is because sometimes I think you do and humour is my coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're ever going to read someone and if you're ever going to hit someone where it hurts, it just has to be fucking funny. Yes, it that's what I'm saying. You're not going to, to use have... a read to actually hurt yeah. someone. You're going to do it no. to bring the spirit up. If you're going to go for something sensitive, it has to be witty. Yeah. It has to be sharp and it has to be smart. Mm. Otherwise, you're just being mean. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Maybe it doesn't come across all the time, but the four of us... Talk to each other like every day in We our have like group a group mess. chat that's going constantly. Yeah. Uh, Much of our producer's annoyance because he's in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. everyone in this room knows that we respect and love each other. Yeah. That's it. For me personally, like, it's just, it's not part of who I am. Mm. And like, not everybody is a good reader. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, you don't have to Absolutely. be, like, to enjoy reading. Absolutely. Like, if that's not a part of your personality, don't stress. Yeah. Is and it- it's it's all about finding your part in, in your it. social groups. And your yeah. part doesn't need to be, no. if there's someone else that's in your group, that doesn't that's mean it. You need to be as well. No, it's, it's exactly totally right. Fine. Like you can sass me out, that's fine, and I'll laugh because I know it's funny. Mm. Like <laughs> you laugh the most in the reads, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we read you about how bad you are reading. No, my thing is just like I'm all about genuine people, and so yeah. when I met you guys at that group interview, I was just like, this one, this one, and this one, and this one. Yeah, you guys are like genuine, down to earth people, and I'm sure you also like-, like the people that didn't <laughs> that didn't make it onto the podcast who might be listening. Uh, they were also wonderful people. It's just about the right fit. Did you guys know that there were different ways to choose your wine other than the colour? What? (laughs) What do you mean? Because I only figured that out when I moved to Melbourne. I thought there were two and it was white and it was red. Oh, and rosé in summer. Well, yeah. Yeah, which you can also get if you mix them together. Oh. I also thought it was just box or bottle. (laughs) Yeah. Or like dark red and light red. I love wine. I know nothing. I hate Mm. white wine. I don't mind a rosé if it's hot. Okay. And I love red wine, but I just love all red wine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's why I love the wine gallery, because you're not just going to the bottle shop and picking the bottle that you know you've had last time and it tasted good. What you can do is you go on their website and fill out all these surveys. You can eliminate things like white wine if you think it tastes mm. like the devil's piss. <laughs> and they'll send you like a, a range of stuff to try from your taste palette, yeah. which is great. And like, what's great about them as well is like the longer you're with them, the better they get at choosing what you like oh, as well. Oh, because you can review what yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yeah. So like the opposite of my relationships. The longer you're in it, the better <laughs> So visit thewinegallery.com.au, do a palette quiz to work out your wine profile and get $25 off your first delivery when you use the code GAZEREVOLTING at the checkout. You know what I think is ridiculous? You know, you see mm. those ads for mattress shops and bed yeah. shops and that sort of stuff, and they've got the people lying in the bed testing yeah. it out. <laughs> There's no way I'm going down to see some sleazy salesman and lie mm. in a bed while he's watching me. I mean, I do yeah. that in private at home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's what I love about Koala, though. You can order your mattress from them, and it gets delivered within, like, four hours. You can test it out. I've waited longer like, for a grind <laughs> than four hours. That's amazing. Yeah, and, like, the difference is, though, it comes in a box, and you roll it out, and it's just, like, there, and it's done. And the other good thing about it is, also, like, dating Tom, you can sleep on it for 120 nights <laughs> to see if it suits you, and if it doesn't, you can return it. You know, with the mattresses, at least, I can tell yeah. you, it will suit you and change <laughs> Change the world. Visit koala.com and use the code GAZEREVOLTING at the checkout to get $150 off purchases over $1,000. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Money, money, money. It's a song by ABBA. <laughs> or Cher, if you're a twink and don't yeah. know that ABBA originally did it. Yeah. But it's also something that gays are apparently not very good at. No. <laughs> Terrible. Is that the most forced <laughs> intro that anyone's ever done? <laughs> so I quit smoking a couple of weeks ago. I've been smoking since I was 17, 15 years. So I have had so many different reasons to quit. I mm. have had health reasons. I've wanted to quit for f- the 15 years that I've been smoking. Um, hygiene reasons. You stink yeah. when you smoke. I've had family members die of lung cancer and heart disease and stuff. But the one thing that finally made me want to quit smoking was I bought a packet of cigarettes the other day or a few weeks ago and they were $43. It's always money though. Yeah. yeah. $43 for a packet yeah. of cigarettes and I worked out I was smoking nearly a pack a day and I was spending nearly as much on cigarettes as I was on rent. So Jeez. I stopped and I have already noticed a huge amount of money at the end of my mm-hmm. pay cycle that I didn't normally have when I was smoking. So I was sort of yeah. looking into money stuff and then thinking about the context of the show I found this study and it talked about how gays or actually, actually it was a whole LGBTI community deal with money. So they surveyed a thousand diverse range of LGBTI community members and then a thousand heterosexual people. And they found that LGBTI people think that they are better at money than they really are, Mm -hmm. much more than heterosexual people do. And also that we're actually worse. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. No. We look like we're better. (laughs) (laughs) We think we are, yeah. Because we look expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Personally, I'm 32 years old. Yeah. And until the last 12 months, I've never had any significant savings. The most oh. expensive thing I own is a dash hound, yeah. Um, yeah. which is not going to appreciate with age, <laughs> appreciate money with age. I've only ever been able to save like just enough for whatever I have coming up, like a trip yeah. coming up. Whereas my heterosexual brothers, and I mean mm. biological brothers, are much better with it and, you know, have yeah. deposits on houses and that sort of thing. It's a weird thing because the study, I read it and I really felt, oh, I've been seen. Yeah. I've been seen. <laughs> I got you. Because the amount of people that have come up to me in my life and asked for help financially mm. because of an assumption that, that you, yeah. I would be good at it. Yeah. Well, it's that leftover the- 90s stereotype that we've talked about of gay men are, you know, single, no income. Yeah, uh, sorry, no dependence. Yeah. And, and the interests that we have as well, which is going out yeah. and the lifestyle that we lead and the trends that we follow and the presentation that we have mm, yeah. all contributed to this idea that financially I was stable, secure and ahead of where my peers were, um, which is not the case. I'm just an Mm. average person, Mm. money-wise. I know where my superannuation is at as well, but that's just because I have to work in superannuation so much and I hate it. Mm. Personally, I am not good with money, and I know I'm not. Growing up, I was... I wouldn't say we were poor, but, like, we weren't well off in any respect whatsoever. Like, Mm. 
as you guys know, like I'm one of eight kids. Like we were lucky if we had $200 a week for shopping for everybody. Like, mm. and so I was never really taught how to manage money properly. And so once I sort of become an adult, got a job, like started doing hairdressing and stuff, I had all of this money come in all of a sudden. And I was just like, spend it all spend, because spend, I've spend, never yeah. had the accessibility to be able to spend yeah. money. And then also, I think it's just on a side note, I think mm. it's really fucked how much hairdressers get paid. Oh yeah. I, whenever I'm like, at the hairdressers, I'm like, you would have to pay me so much to touch someone else's hair and wash their hair yeah. and cut it and like we, we are the it's one of the lowest paid, paid trades, trades. Yeah. yeah which is ridiculous c- considering Sorry, what we take on day to day but yeah like i had gotten to a point where i felt pressured from an expectation of like you have to live a certain lifestyle being a gay person that i ended up taking out a credit card because i was just like i need to be doing these mm. things like everybody else is and i've unfortunately put myself in debt that i'm slowly sort of getting myself out of which isn't going to happen anytime mm. soon but then that sort of sets me back now for anything mm-hmm. else i want to do yeah. in the future because i'm worried about this thing mm. that's something that i don't want to have to put on to like my partner mm. and he understands that i don't have a lot of money now i don't know not having that sort of knowledge growing up not only from my parents but from the schooling system yeah that's a big not knowing how to manage my own money yeah i felt but there has to be a difference though because yeah. the heterosexual people are going to, through the same schooling yeah, yeah. system as well and in my situation mm. like my parents weren't great with money they went bankrupt when i was yeah, a kid yeah. and stuff and i never really learned from them about money but yet my brothers yeah. are still doing well with it so there has to be some element the credit card thing that you brought up is yeah. interesting i have never had a credit card mm. because i know how bad i am with money so yeah. i've purposely never done it because i would be in so much debt if i had yeah, yeah. but i'm still 32 years old i've had continuous full-time employment for 12 years yeah and until the last 12 months nothing saved I'd get to the end of two weeks every two weeks and be on yeah. two minute noodles because yeah, yeah. you know I spent everything for one I'm really lucky because I love two minute noodles <laughs> so pop that's handy <laughs> the poor, no issue the poor patches have always been a party yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for me but the realisation you have when you're very young and you're coming to terms with your sexuality mm. that you start to rule out certain options for yourself mm. when you're laying, yeah. laying in bed at night yeah. and you start to realise things about yourself and you go okay so that's not for me Mm. and that's not for me and I think the difference between you and your brothers, Tom, is yeah. that maybe at some point in your development, as a younger gay child, you may have mentally made the decision, well, I don't have the option of family, yes. house. Which is so mm-hmm. true, yeah. And Also, like, how the fuck is anyone supposed to get a deposit for a house yeah. on a single income? If you have thought your whole life, oh, well, I'll never be married and in a long-term yeah. relationship, it's not really something that's on the cards. Yeah, whereas I think for heterosexual people, that's very much on the card so Mm. it's a priority much Mm -hmm. earlier in their life because it's a realistic goal and now we're in the our 30s now Mm. Tom and I are at least and marriage equality is a thing for us now Mm. that we've had to start thinking about that it is so bizarre to think of me having a wedding (laughs) yeah it's just such a weird thought that I could have a wedding it's something that's been drummed into my head so much and then everything that comes after it as well and I know that same sex people could live together prior to marriage equality but growing up being told you're different does set your mind in a certain frame I have a friend that I've talked about in this podcast before you know the guy that went to the music festival with the mm-hmm. Indian headdress. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he um, is quite good with money and is quite yeah. into superannuation okay. and puts aside a lot of extra superannuation. Do you guys do that? I don't no. know this. I've, we have caught him. He, when he gets drunk, he gets loud. Yeah. And we've caught him at Puff Doof in the corner chatting to Twinks, telling them how much superannuation he has Stop. in his account as a pickup line. <laughs> he's a really, he's a, I've made him yeah. sound like a bat. He's a very, very lovely guy. We're just Love completely that. different lives. 
part of this growing up gay thing and having a different mind thing. Mm. We were taught gay men don't live long. We were never planning oh, for the end of for the mm. end of life. Growing up in the eighties and nineties, that's not the story that you were told. And so yeah. we haven't sort of been thinking about our future and our retirement. And it's probably something that we really should be thinking about, yeah. especially if we're not likely to get married and, and settle down. Luke and I, Mikey, you will because you're a nice yeah. person. Yeah. But, <laughs> not for me. But um, yeah. we're less likely to have children that are going to be able to support us. Yeah. We're lucky that we have are close with our families, but a lot of LGBTI people, mm. unfortunately, are somewhat cut off from their yeah. family mm. and won't have that support when they get older. And they do need to start looking at how they're going to support themselves later in life. Yeah. yeah. One of my clients is a financial advisor at work. And I went to one of her money seminars. The way that they put it was so when you get to retirement age, they asked how much money do you think that you'll need until whenever you die? And so everybody put down a number and they worked out that on average, you would need about $50,000 a year. And that adds up to be close to a million dollars in your super to live a comfortable life once you're Crazy. retired. That is, yeah. That and is like insane. When they when she put the numbers down, I was just like, "Fuck! Mm. Like, how am and I going to get?" That's to probably that? a number for someone that's already owns property yeah. and, and doesn't have to worry about rent and that yeah. sort of thing as well. You that's know? it. Yeah. I think what I'll do is when I get down to about five hundred dollars, I'll just buy a fuckload of ketamine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put me down like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Superannuation is a confusing thing. Oh, it's fucking confusing. To yeah. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. I know lesbians that don't understand yeah, their superannuation. Something, yeah. Lesbians mm-hmm. that haven't consolidated <laughs> their account. Yeah. So how the fuck are we supposed to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I would recommend is going have you got a MyGov account? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Australian, have you got a, a, an illegal? Have you, <laughs> no, a lot of people have never used their. A lot of people have never used their MyGov account. Yeah, log into the Australian Taxation Office part of the MyGov thing, and you can actually see your superannuation in there and exactly how much you have in oh. there, and you can check that weekly or however often your mm. your workplace contributes to your superannuation, and you can Thank also God. find all your different superannuations through there. So yeah, if you yeah. had a job when you were sixteen, you might have a few hundred bucks. I mean, it's not going to make a huge no, difference yeah, when you're in but, your eighties, but you can find all your different superannuation in there because it's all through your ABN. Uh, Sorry, not your ABN, your tax file number. So it'll all be listed there, which will make it a lot easier for when you do need to consolidate it. And also just to give you an idea of where it's sitting, a lot of people would have no idea how much superannuation they have in their account. Just don't spend it on (laughs) ammo. So my boyfriend and I have a lot of sex. No. <laughs> no, um, we've actually had a fan-suggested topic talking about, like, guys who just aren't DTF or down to fuck all the time or just have general, like, low sex libido. Like, mm. they just aren't about it. So, like, as I just said, me and my boyfriend have a lot of sex. But, like, th- I've had times in my life where, like, there was 12 months. Mm. I was like, I'm not interested with anybody at mm. all. But then, like, I sort of felt like a weird sort of pressure, like, social thing to be like, but I should be having sex like all my friends are. Like, yeah. everybody else is enjoying all this sex. Like, why do I not want it right now? Yeah. It sort of played on my mind a bit. And like, that's totally that fine. Yeah. yeah. And like, at, at that point, like, I didn't think it was fine, but I think it was more of, like, the anxiety of the act. Mm. Like, am I going to be what this person's expectation is? Is sex with them going to meet my expectation everybody goes through it i think and i think like one of the main things for me personally why i felt like i had a lot of low sex drive at that point in time is like i was going through a weird sort of anxiety transition Mm -hmm. in my life where like i just moved from living by myself into a share house living by myself wasn't good at all the anxiety was through the roof i thought people were like trying to come into my house all the time and it was just like yeah it was messed up and then like moved into the share house and it was sort of a safe house where there were people there but I didn't have to see 
them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just like, I think me working through my own anxiety and like body image issues. Totally. That was just like, nah, can't even deal with someone else being in my space. Mm. We talk a lot about sex on this podcast. And I think that's because all four of us want to reduce the stigma around sex. And yeah. the, and, and there's this weird thing that we're not supposed to talk about sex and we should talk about it and, and give each other advice and that sort of thing. But it is important to also reduce stigma around people that don't want to have sex yeah. and don't have that natural sex drive. That's totally fine. It's not something that I've experienced, but, mm. but I definitely have been with people and dated people that have lower sex drives or at least don't want to have sex with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for some people, it, it yeah. can be a phase like what you were talking about it might be what mm. you're going through it might be um, I know a lot of people when you first go on antidepressants it can really yeah. affect your sex drive and for some people it's just a permanent thing you might just naturally just have a lower sex drive and then there's right. also people that might just not like gay guys that aren't into anal it's fine yeah. or aren't into oral sex that is mm-hmm. totally fine there's nothing wrong with it at no. all and I guess it's just sort of a, about finding somebody if, if you're looking for a relationship mm. not necessarily has the same sex drive as you but where you're comfortable with each other's sex drive yeah. dated a guy for a while mm. that was totally not into anal sex okay. which is something that I quite enjoy yeah. you know at first it was really weird for me not having anal sex mm. for the first few weeks that we were, we were dating and being with so intimate with someone to me those two things went hand in hand in my yeah. head but it was sort of just about finding other ways of being physical mm. and enjoying each other that we were both happy with yeah. and unfortunately I guess sometimes for some people it might be something that's a deal breaker yeah. um, in this case it wasn't he just turned out to be a psycho but um, <laughs> as far as the social side of it goes mm. if, if you're feeling pressure because other people in your group are having lots of sex fuck that like I've definitely had friends in the past that like are just like why wouldn't you hook up with that hot guy mm-hmm. like you guys were having a good time and it's like mm, I'm just not that into it and it's like well it's your loss and yeah. I'm just like well is it though like I'm just not You're into it right yourself now anyway. like, you should just be doing yeah exactly I think my sex drive is like as convoluted as the season of American Horror Story <laughs> it's so high all the time but I'm constantly miserable so I don't want to be around anyone and Obviously, we currently have very high sex drives. We've just yeah. talked about superannuation for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Who could not, you know, be DTF yeah. after that? I've talked about it with some of my friends before about sex being a kind of currency mm. in our community. It, it's like our version of Bitcoin. It's not a real thing, but it's kind of a status. It's also the pecking order again. Mm, yeah. It's a virtual currency that we use amongst each other as gay men to figure out where we are in a pecking order sometimes. Yeah. How much sex are you having? Who have you fucked? Who haven't you fucked? Mm-hmm. How often are you fucking if you're in a relationship? And just like Bitcoin does and will, it crashes. And, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. I'm really into Bitcoin at the moment. High sex drive in Bitcoin. That is <laughs> Luke to a T. I do think it's a personal thing. My last... Two partners, three partners have all been on antidepressants and it's affected certain parts of their sex drive. The most common antidepressants can affect one of four stages of the sexual experience. One being arousal. Um, I can't remember what the other two and the last being obviously ejaculation. Mm -hmm. So, can affect people in all different ways. And I did a couple of years on antidepressants and it somehow didn't have any effect on that. It just Mm. made me want to eat a lot of lollies every single day. But for everyone I've dated, it's had a severe impact Mm. on sexual drive in one of the four sexual states. And is that generally something that dies off after a while of using antidepressants or is it usually hangs around for the majority of... I think some people people react to a certain drug in a certain way and Mm. dosage 
is a big part of it. Talking to your partner about your sex drive and antidepressants and the dosage, I don't think it's a appropriate conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation with a mental health specialist and your GP. But something that really kind of changed my previous relationships was also the timing. When do you take your antidepressants? Uh, Most people take it first thing in the morning and it starts to kick in, you know, a few hours after that. And then you see your partner at 4 or 5 p.m., when their sex drive is at their highest and that's the lowest point in terms of your libido on antidepressants. Mm. So sometimes it's as simple as changing the timing of when you have your antidepressants. Kind of coordinating your sex drive with your partner. Something I struggle with is like not taking it personally. A low sex drive in a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of us have so much confidence issues and self-loathing that when you do encounter someone in the gay community that's renowned for uh, fucking around and Mm. a high sex drive and you meet someone who just has a low sex drive, it can be so tough not to take that personally as like, this is a reflection of me as a Mm. person and my attractiveness. Not everything's about you. Yeah, that took me a while to... I'm (laughs) not going to lie, I haven't figured that out. Thank you all for listening again. It's been a lovely little what a chat journey. we've had today. It has been, it's been a different. I feel it's been a bit different without yeah, Kyle, it has. hasn't it? It's weird not having that extra yeah. voice in the room. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say a big, big, big thank you for Gamble and Luke for coming in today. Aren't they gorgeous? They're so You're welcome. Lovely. Such a <laughs> other Luke. The other Luke. Beautiful relationship. Yeah. And if you are in Adelaide, make sure oh. you check out Gamble uh, out at the Feast Festival. Yes. And we'll see you yes. there as well. It was a journey of an episode, and as always, don't forget to follow us on our socials. Mm. Uh, We've got a Facebook page, Facebook group you can join, and an Instagram that you can follow. So hit us up on there, send us messages, even suggest topics like a couple that we talked about tonight. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, it's weird saying bye without Kyle. (laughs) Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 